Praise God. Amen. I'm going to begin teaching tonight uh, what will be a series. Tonight is going to be really the introduction. Uh, um, and it's been a little while since I've taught on this. And, um, but this is going to wind up being a series on holiness. And uh, it is so imperative that we understand what the Word of God says and uh, not just uh, doing certain things because for whatever reason other than we see it in the Word of God and the Word of God gives us specific instruction. Um, this church was started 75 years ago. This summer will be 76. We were going to celebrate our 75th last year, but Corona got in the way. We're going to redo it this year, but it's kind of thinking 76th anniversary didn't quite have the quite the ring to it. 75 does, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, but 75 years ago, this church was established in the city, and uh, I was listening to a message by uh, the second, I believe it was the second general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church, um, S.W. Chambers. And he preached a message in general conference in like 1965. I've got the CD in my vehicle. And the, and the title of that CD, or the title of that message was, Will We Survive the Onslaught of History? History says that any church movement, by the time it gets to 75 years, they have already begun to compromise who they are, their beliefs, their doctrine, their core values. They begin to let things go, and 75 years after uh, any particular organization or church structure has begun by that time, most of them, and I forget the exact statistic, but a, a majority of them do not believe the same thing that they did when they were established. And um, we are in our 76th year, and we still believe holiness. Uh, we still believe the Word of God. We still believe uh, the message. And um, God is holy, and uh, He commands us to be holy. And I, tonight will just be, I, I'm not really going to get into mechanics or nuts and bolts tonight, but I'm just going to really kind of set uh, the stage and, and really talk more about the principle of holiness and what it is and why. Why is a great question if you really want to know. Um, there's a difference in, 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 and I've said this a number of times over the years, there's a difference in asking inquisitively uh, as opposed to asking accusatively. It's a big difference. Um, but the Word of God is very clear about what He expects uh, of His people and what uh, we really find uh, when you begin to look deep into the Word of God, you find God's love language. And it's easy to, to, to find scriptures of what God commands, do this, do this, do this. And we can find our little bullet point list. But somebody who has fallen in love with Jesus will look beyond just the obvious things and begin to look deeper into the word of the Lord. Um, and uh, we, we find so much more, so many things in the word of God. Um, I, I, for the sake of a text tonight, uh, Acts chapter 2 and 40 is where I'll read and we'll kind of launch from here. Uh, and with many other words, everybody say many other words. He took some time talking about this. He did testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. 
He, he after Peter preached, uh, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, and this promise is for you and to your children. Then he took with many other words, he exhorted and commanded them, exhorted them to separate themselves, to save themselves from an untoward generation. What was this? This was the message of sanctification to those that had just received the Holy Ghost. He didn't preach the message of sanctification to uh, when they said, what do we do? When they were pricked in their heart, they said, what do we do? He didn't launch into the message of save yourself. No, Jesus is going to save you, but then there's some things that You've got to do to separate yourself from a very wicked and perverse generation. And uh, this is the first altar call. This is the first salvation message. And this is the first uh, introduction to sanctification and holiness, living set apart uh, for the Lord. Uh, And so tonight for a little bit, um, and, and I might not, completely finish everything I feel like I need to say in the introduction. If we miss the principle of holiness and what the Bible says about it and, and, we, and we miss uh, part one, it doesn't matter what else you hear, it won't make any sense. Um, I, I got in real big trouble when I was in uh, college, believe it or not, in, in Greek. I, I missed like one or two weeks of Greek class and uh, we'll just say I never recovered. Um. Because if you miss just, and it was in the beginning part of the semester, uh, it was about six weeks in or so, everything is built upon one principle upon the next. And if you don't learn things in sequential order, when you get down the line, a lot of stuff won't make sense if you miss the first part. Uh, and, and with learning a language, that's probably the best example I can give you. Anybody that's taken a foreign language in high school or wherever, you, you have to learn things in order. Otherwise, if you miss a couple, a couple weeks, you'll come back into class and, and nothing will make sense. Um, the same is true with understanding sanctification and holiness. Uh, if we miss the principle and what it is all about, it doesn't matter what somebody shows you in the Word of God explicitly. If we miss... Uh, if we miss why we're doing it, nothing will make sense. We've got to know why we do what we do. Why do we act the way we act? Why do we dress the way we dress? Why, 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 why are these specific things preached on and taught on? And, and I want to encourage everybody tonight, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to follow along with me in your Bible. I'm not going to read a whole lot of scriptures, but there is enough in here tonight that you need to know why. You do what you do. It's not good enough for you to follow the rules. It's not. That's, that's vain religion. If you don't, and I'll just say it like this, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. That was good for the law. That was good for the law of Moses. They did certain things. They didn't pick up sticks on the Sabbath. As long as they obeyed it, they were good. But now that we're in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, it is beyond just doing a list of, of things that I'm supposed to do. It's now about relationship. Jesus said uh, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What he was referring to was the relationship with God and man that was lost in the garden. 
There was pure relationship there. There was nothing between them. There was no guilt. There was no shame. There was no sin. There was complete uh, transparency. There was perfect and pure relationship. And as soon as Adam and Eve disobeyed, that pure, perfect relationship was severed. And now we have a ginormous problem that for thousands of years the blood of bulls and goats was spilled in order to roll back sins, but it never, it never took care of the problem. But Jesus Christ came and shed his perfect blood because it was, it was perfect, sinless, righteous blood so that relationship could be restored. The, the law of Moses, all that did was actually, and I forget the scripture off the top of my head, the law of Moses just pointed out the things that we weren't supposed to do. And what happens in the psyche of mankind is now that we know what we're not supposed to do, guess what we do? The law brought things to our mind to do. The law of Moses, don't do this. Well, I wasn't thinking about it until I was told not to do it. But now that I'm thinking about it, now that I've been told not to do it, it's on my mind. That's what the law did. But now we've entered into relationship with God, into covenant relationship in baptism. Old Testament circumcision is New Testament baptism. There is covenant relationship, the same covenant that God brought Abraham into. He does that. In baptism. Now we are in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we move on from experiencing the new birth, from coming into covenant relationship. Now that I'm in covenant relationship, I've got to treat it like a relationship. There's a difference in being married and being happily married. And if you're unhappily married for long enough, you're not going to be married eventually. But so many people treat uh, 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 sin and the things of the world like a rocky relationship. And I've said it. Here's, here's my point that I've said a few times. Brother Jefferson will get a good kick out of this one. He always reminds me of this one. It's, it's the same thing as, as my, my wonderful wife asking me to take out the trash. And I look at her and say, well, are you going to divorce me if I don't? That's the same, it's the exact same thing if I ask the Lord, well, is the Lord, is this going to send me to hell? And so many people live right there, right in that, in that, with their relationship on the rocks. Well, I'm not going to go to hell over this. Well, it's not going to send me to hell. This isn't a sin. And we've missed what having a relationship with somebody is. I'm not just trying uh, to avoid hell. I'm not just trying to avoid my relationship with God uh, uh, being cut off. I'm not, I'm not living at the line. So many people want to live, if we live according to our flesh, we will live right at the edge of the cliff. Done a lot of stupid things when I was a young adult. Gone skydiving, sat on the edge of a cliff that was about, I think it was 3,000 feet up, El Capitan, Yosemite. I mean, like, when I say on the edge, I mean, like, here's the edge, right on it. Waterfalls pouring over, just, yeah. Right on the, it's not smart, it's not smart. And I get, I, I start thinking about that type of stuff, and I get, like, anxiety 
10, 15 years after I did it. Like, what in the world? I could have killed, I literally could have killed myself. And it's not smart to hang out on the edge. And we can't live, expect to live an overcoming life for Jesus Christ while hanging around on the edge and living my life with trying to figure out what I can get away with. That is not uh, what God is looking for. God's looking for somebody who's going to fall in love with him so much that we shun everything that is not like him. God doesn't have to scream at me with a bullhorn to say, don't do that. Because I want to be separated unto the Lord. I want to be holy like him. I want to be a, a part of his kingdom and part of his body. And I want to please the Lord. If we can live our life with the idea or with the, the, the uh, truth in mind of I want to please him. That's what I want to do. I'm not just trying to escape uh, eternal damnation. I want to please my Savior because I love him that much. Now we're getting to the point where we can understand what the word of God says to us. And it'll make a little more sense. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with, beginning with verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. Get a hold of it. Hang on to it, that which is good. Abstain from all appearance. Now, does he say you're going to go to hell if something in your life has the appearance of evil? He's t well, the command is abstain from it. Stay away from it. Stay away. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, if I say your whole spirit, and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Leave that scripture up there, Brother Sandfield. There's a few words, a few things to unpack just in this scripture. And... Uh, if we can kind of grasp a hold of this as he's instructing, giving instruction here, um, the word sanctify uh, is, is the process that God leads us into in order to perfect us or bring us into completion to make us like him. Salvation is a lifelong thing. Nobody came to an altar and got saved. There's three parts of salvation. There's justification, there's sanctification, and there's glorification. But sanctification is that place that we are living in right now where God is continually setting us apart to be more like him. Uh, as long as we are headed in the right direction, God will have a lot of patience with us. And, and, and putting ourselves in a position to allow him to sanctify us and make us like him. Sanctification by definition is to be set apart. That's what sanctification is. Uh, he wants to do that. He wants to set us apart for him. He wants us to be different. He does not want us to blend into the world. 
that is, that's what he wants. But what God wants us to get to the place is where I have the same sentiment towards him as he does towards me. He wants his people to be set apart. But when we can make progress in our lives in the area of sanctification is when we can say the same thing. God, I don't want to blend into the world and be like everybody else. I don't want to be. I don't want, I don't want to be named among uh, the world. I don't want to be looked at. Uh, uh, like I'm a part of the world. I want to be different. I want to be set apart. I want to. It's not that I have to. I want to. I want people to notice something different about me. If, if they don't notice anything different about me, then something is drastically wrong in my life. I want to be sanctified. I want to be set apart for him. Holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. Or completely leaving there's no stone unturned in my life. There's no area of my life that is off limits to God. There's no area of my life that I reserve to myself and I give God 95%, but I've got this 5% over in the corner that I enjoy to myself. No, he wants to sanctify us completely and wholly. There's, there, there, there's, there's no part of my life that if I want to be like him that I can reserve to myself because I love him. I want to be like him. I want to be, uh, I, I want to be like him in every way that I can be. Uh, so he wants to sanctify us wholly. And I pray the God of, uh, of uh, I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. And he kind of encapsulates it here, uh, uh, spirit, soul, and body. Man is referred to, uh, a fancy word by the term of, uh, we, you could call us a trichotomy. A, a, we have body, soul, and spirit. There are three parts to us that are made up, but we are one person. And uh, what he's saying here is that, that, that the God of peace would sanctify you completely, that there would be no part of you that was left untouched by God. What he's saying is you will be sanctified on the inside and you will be sanctified on the outside. When Jesus made the commandment and told them uh, the number one commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the word strength is referring to the physical man. So what Jesus was telling them in, in the New Testament is we love God with every part of us. There's no part of me that I don't love God with. I love him on the inside. I love him with my thoughts. I love him with my intentions. I love him with the way I act. I love him with everything that other people see. There's nothing about me that is not separated unto God. We are all in that process, and everybody is at a different place in their relationship with God, and, and, and people uh, grow with God at a different pace. But as long as I am growing with God, and I am and I'm growing in God and the Lord is leading me and the Spirit of God is teaching me and I'm listening to that teaching voice then I'm in the right place at the right time as long as I am listening to what God is teaching me and I am and I'm obeying what his word tells me to do let me just stop for a moment and say um, God is is I am I am anticipating a number of people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost here in the next few weeks and and be baptized in Jesus' name during revival and, and other things. But let me say to us, good saints of God, that there will be people that they that when they come up out of the water, they don't need anybody that a good sanctified folk uh, giving them a good list of bullet points of what they need to be uh, do to be holy. 
it, it, we should we need to be very very extra careful that we're not even misunderstood let the let the spirit of god be their teacher as well as the voice here the job of the church the job of the mother is to love them and be an example and the, the Lord will open the opportunity for you to answer questions regarding holiness and separation because obviously when you walk in, we look different, and that's going to raise questions. And you've got to have wisdom, and you've got to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost and, and, and have an awareness of where they are, why they're asking, and the answer to give in that moment. It may not be that they're ready for the whole bucket dumped out on them at that time. And you've got to use wisdom in order uh, uh, to know when is the right time. You've got to understand the motive or why they're asking. You've got to understand their hunger level. There's got to be an awareness in, in, in your spirit, in my spirit, to, to, to make sure that when we begin to teach these things, we do it at the right time, in the right spirit, in a spirit of love and instruction. But let me say at the same time that there are some people that don't want anything to do with it. Unfortunately, but there are people. You are here tonight because you love the Word of God, because you love His law, because you love what He teaches us. And we're not any different than, than anybody else. We're just, we're just regular folks that have obeyed the Word of God. And there's other people that are hungry for the real thing. They're hungry for, for uh, separation from the world. They're hungry to know what the Bible says. And you're going to help them. You're going to teach them. And, and they're going to receive it. They're going to receive it. Oftentimes, we can, we can get so focused on who didn't receive it that when it comes time for somebody that's hungry, we have doubt in our mind and we get a little skittish, a little anxious. Are they gonna, how are they going to respond? You know what? I'm going to let that be between them and Jesus because I know that there are people that are hungry to be called out from the world, that are hungry to be different than everything we see in society today. Society is getting more immoral. It is getting uh, 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 more immodest. It is getting more unlike God in every way, shape, and form that the world can and there's a people that still want to be like God and there are people in the world today that don't want to be like the world praise God those of you that are teaching home groups and Bible studies and, and are involved directly involved with people that are newer around here yeah the questions come and we've got to use wisdom as to when to, to handle or, or to teach a certain subject but there's two sides of it we can't jump the gun just because they're not growing at the pace that we may deem uh, uh, the, the right pace. And God's going to help us. God will help you. God will help every, all of us. But it doesn't make the word of God any less true. We can't be scared to teach something because we're scared somebody's going to walk. That's going to be between them and Jesus. As long as, I, as long as I teach and I love and I do what the Word of God commands in the spirit of love, you don't have to, small group teachers, Bible study teachers, there's going to be questions that are thrown at you and you're going to be like, okay, well, here we go. We're about to find out. You teach the Word of the Lord. Teach it with love. And you'll, the, 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 there will be people that ask from the standpoint of being hungry to know. I'm getting sidetracked. Okay. Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. Everybody say preserved. 
We are called out. We are saved. But he wants to preserve us until the day that we see him, until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to be preserved. And this is what sanctification does. This is why we are different. God gave us sanctification and holiness for the purpose of preservation. When, when Solomon built the temple, he didn't build it on the outskirts of Jerusalem. There was the beautiful, uh, uh, elaborate, trillion dollars uh, 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 of a temple. Trillions of dollars. But guess what? To get to that temple, you had to get through the walls. And there, was, there were fortified men on the top of the wall. There were watchmen on the wall. There, there, was, a, there was a barrier between the enemy... And the most valuable thing that, th- that was in Jerusalem. And what we have is the Spirit of God residing right here. And God wants that to be preserved. Because if there's no protection, the enemy will come in. And he will spoil that which God has given us. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, uh, uh, wanted to make us more like him. And for the purpose of preserving the Spirit of God that resides right here. There are barriers and there are walls that God has set up and God instructs us, instruction of the Word of God and what they are. They are just like the walls of a city that protect what is valuable on the inside. He wants to preserve us. Everybody say preserve. Preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of God was in the temple of Solomon. And outside of that were the walls of Jerusalem. It's in the book of Nehemiah. And I don't have these scriptures up here because I've just kind of got in. We're just, we're just going to roll with it. So it, um, it's in the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase for a moment. Um, it's, Nehemiah is, is uh, serving the king. He's in captivity. And the king uh, asks him, why, why is your... And, uh, I think King James, Version, King James Version says, you know, why is your countenance fallen? Basically, he was asking, why are you sad? What's, what's, what's going on? And he could physically tell, he could tell he was distraught. And he said, because the gates of the city of Jerusalem are broken down and burned with fire. He didn't talk about the temple right then. He didn't talk about all the valuables in the city. But his countenance was fallen and he was sad because of what had happened to the gates. It's got to mean something to us as a people. The state, the current state of the walls in our life. They've got to matter to us. They've got to be worth getting an emotional reaction out of me. That's what holiness is. That's what sanctification is. The walls that protect the glory of God in my life have got to be, and I can't remember if it's in that passage or somewhere else in the Old Testament possibly, but it may have been Nehemiah, forgive me, but uh, it, it talked about maybe Nehemiah weeping over the walls of Jerusalem. The walls in our life are worth weeping over. They're, they're worth that. It's not just, not just the preservation, not just the Holy Ghost, but even, even the barriers, they, they've got to mean something to us. And so uh, we see this emotional reaction out of Nehemiah and his desires to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. 
because it doesn't matter uh, uh, what is valuable on the inside of, of, of Jerusalem, what they have there, what possessions they have. If they don't have walls, they will not be able to protect the value that is within the city. The most precious gift you ever receive from God is the gift of his spirit. And he wants you to keep it. He doesn't want it to be stolen. He doesn't want it to be spoiled. He doesn't want the enemy to come in and have his way in your life. He wants it to stay there. And in order for it to stay there, there must be walls to preserve it. There must be barriers to protect it. Somebody say amen. This is sanctification. This is being set apart. This is where it plays in. This is where, where it comes to. 1 Peter uh, 1, 14 through 16. This is making sense to everybody. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And let me just stop in just verse number 14. As obedient children. Obedience is not just a one-time deal that happens to me in an altar. But obedience is a place that I live in all of my life. I will never get beyond the obedience test where I never am tested in obedience again. From time to time in my life, God will check and test my obedience. His word will cause me to make a decision. Either I'm going to obey or I'm not going to obey. Or I'm not going to obey. But in 1 Peter, he starts off right here in this particular verse and, and says to us, as obedient Children. So as, he's, as he is giving instruction, he is telling them that you are going to receive these as obedient children. Jesus looked at them and said, except you come to me as a little child. So there, there's this element here that when we read the word of God and we understand instruction, we, we've got, there's got to be the element there of obeying like a little child. That doesn't mean we won't ever know why. That doesn't mean we shouldn't uh, uh, investigate and, 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 and uh, study it and, and try to find out more. But we must receive it with an obedient attitude, an obedient spirit. Let me tell you that when we have an obedient spirit towards the Lord, when we stay pliable, God can do anything with us. We never, if we're going to be anything in the kingdom of God, of any, of any value, the Lord will simply sometimes look at us or, 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 or tell us or instruct us and simply give us a command. And we may not have all the information yet, but we just need to be obedient. I'm right there right now with my three-and-a-half-year-old. I get nervous when he runs towards a street even when there are no cars coming and I need him to stop and I need him to listen to me because there's going to be a time where there's a car coming and if he has not learned obedience, he may not get in trouble right now or every time, but he needs to learn how to hear my voice and stop what he is doing. That's why obedience is absolutely necessary. We look at it, well, well am I going to get in trouble this time? Maybe not. But there will come a time where God speaks and says no. 
And if we haven't learned to listen when there is seemingly no danger, there may be a car coming out of the peripheral that you don't see. And the Holy Ghost will tell us no. And if we learn to obey and have an obedient attitude, my son has no idea, he has no concept of cars. And the same is true in our spiritual walk. There are things, believe it or not, how, no matter how, we've, how long we've lived for God, there is something uh, according to the things of God that we probably don't understand yet. No matter how old you are, no matter how, whatever. The Lord needs uh, for us to stay as obedient children. This has got to be a characteristic that, that gets into our spirit right in the very beginning. I keep my son away from the street as much as possible. But when he makes a beeline for the road, he, it was, we were down in Florida at my grandparents' house and, and uh, we're just out in the front yard and, he, and I, I knew there were no cars coming. But it's still, my, my, I get a knot in my stomach. Just the thought of him running into the street even when there's no cars coming. I need him to understand you don't run in the street because sometime you, it, it, it could end up really bad. Obedience. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't uh, expect him to understand everything right now. I just need him to obey. That's all I need him to do. Later, he will understand. And there are things that God will speak to you that you don't understand completely. Just hang on. Just, just hang on. I promise. If you will be obedient to the word of God, watch this. If you, if you will be obedient, you will grow into an understanding as to why. You will. God, God, is, God, God doesn't uh, uh, just command his people to do certain things or uh, uh, teach us things in the word of God just because he has nothing better to do. Okay? There are times where, and I've seen it, where God will bring revelation about something and that person is forced because of the, of the, of the, um, of the fact of how, when revelation comes, it forces you to make a decision. Sometimes God will open somebody's eyes to something and say, whoa, uh, I never saw that in the word of God, and, and, and then they obey it. Then there are times where we obey not understanding, and then God later brings revelation. I've seen it happen both ways. But the point of it is, is if we have an obedient and applicable uh, spirit towards the, the word of God and the things of God, his instruction of how to live and what he expects out of his people. There's, the, the Lord will uh, bring so much uh, uh, depth into your life and your walk with God and you will grow in your walk with God and you'll grow in your understanding of the word of God. But we must be as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves uh, according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, the word conversation is an old word, word that the translation of it mean, actually means lifestyle. In all manner of lifestyle, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He's not just talking about words uh, in, in the way that we know the word conversation, that word conversation is referring to how we live in all manner. Everybody say all manner. In all manner of lifestyle. There's no, there's no part of my life that 
that I that I say, well, you know, God's not worried about this. I'll let the we should let the word of God tell us whether or not He's worried about something. Um, and if we love Him, if we love Him, if we love Him, then we will see things in the Word of God, and see the tone of Scripture of how it talks about it. Okay. Uh, and I'm not getting into mechanics tonight. That'll be that'll be for a little bit later, and we'll talk about we'll go we'll talk about specific things, and 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 I'll, I'll teach on specific things and what the Word of God says about it. But if we establish at the beginning that I love Him, and I want to be sanctified unto Him, I want to be set apart from the world. That means the world does things, says things, acts a certain way, does certain things, is involved in certain things, dresses a certain way. All the lifestyle of the world, God wants to call me out of the lifestyle of the world from the former things that we lived in our ignorance. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, you know, uh, people that live... Uh, that that live in the world and 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 that's all they know and and the lifestyle of the world that affects them and affects their families and affects their lifestyle. So many people in the world are in messes and have no idea that they're in a mess. You know, it's it's one thing to be in a mess and like know that you're in a mess, but it's a whole other thing when people are living in ignorance, in a complete mess, but no conscious idea. That this is a mess. And that's where we are. We're seeing it even more and more today. Uh, uh, just the, 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 the wages of sin that come into somebody's life. And they really don't have a grasp and understanding of, of just what sin has done to them. And what, what, it, what their life could be. That's living in the ignorance of the, of the former life that he was talking about. But we are to be holy in all manner of conversation. God, uh, holiness does not drag us down. Holiness does not restrict us. Holiness lifts us into the realm of the spirit that we could not get by ourselves without separation. God is not trying to restrict anybody. Everything that we do is based upon what what was established in the very beginning. The choice of mankind. The will of man. There are many things that happen in the earth today that are unfortunate, that are sad, that are horrible, that are uh, repulsive. That it's not the will of God for it to happen. It's the will of man that's the reason why it's happening. God gets a lot of the blame for a lot of stuff. How could this be the will of God? Well, it's not necessarily. It's the will of man making wrong decisions according to his will. God does not override the will of mankind. God gives every man a choice. But when I choose to love him, when I make the choice, God, I want to find what you love, and I want to love that. And I want to find what you hate, and I want to hate that. I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. And, and, and not hate in the sense of hating other people or things. But when there is sin in my life, I'm going to hate the sin in my life. That's what he's talking about. 
He's not talking about being mean and ugly to people. He's talking about when I find something within me, when I find iniquity in my own heart, I'm going to hate the iniquity in my own life. I'm going to hate the sin in my own life. And what that means is I'm going to correct it. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to fight it. No matter how many times i got to repent over it, if I've repented over it a thousand times, I'm going to repent over it a thousand and one times because I've made up my mind. I'm going to love what he loves, and I'm going to hate what he hates. Let's lift our hands for a moment to the Lord and just love him right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we want to love what you love and we want to hate what you hate. Hallelujah. Lord, we want to love the things of the word of God. Hallelujah. Jude 1 and 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Everybody say, keep yourselves. I want God to keep me. And I'm going to do everything that the Word of God instructs me to do to keep myself there. I'm going to keep myself in the love of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. God's not interested in us in just saving us from evil. He wants to keep us from evil. He wants there to be barriers in our life that keep us from returning to the sin that we were that we were called out of. It's not good enough just to be called out of sin. That's great. That's awesome. That's a starting point. But once we're done with that, God wants there to be uh, uh, barriers and, and walls and fortresses in our life that keep us from going back into the world, that keep us from going in, into the things of sin and for our lives to be ruined. We've got to keep ourselves in the love of God. And he will establish, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3, who will establish you, the word establish, establish you, and keep me from evil. There are sins and, and besetting things in your life that you can overcome. You can overcome them. And you will be established. And he can keep you from evil. Whatever, whatever the struggles of your life can be, God can forgive you. There is no sin that is beyond the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is no life that is beyond the keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he saved me, but I want him to keep me. I don't want to drift back to where I came from. This is what sanctification and holiness is all about. It's about him keeping me. I want to be kept by him. I want him to set me apart. I want him to mark my life and for me to be different and, and for there to be barriers and things in my life that keep me from sliding into sin and sliding into things that are not like him. I'm going to wrap up with this. I'll, just, I'll be done here in just a moment. The word, and, and I will kind of jump tracks here for just a moment, but uh, one thing I'm going to deal with the next few weeks is uh, the word standards in uh, the apostolic church sometimes can 
be abused a bit. And really it comes from the lack of understanding. We don't understand it. And, and oddly enough, it, it's, I'll tell you what, Satan absolutely hates holiness. He hates it because it is a wall and a barrier to the glory that is within. He cannot get to the glory without first coming through the wall. That's why when somebody at your job or somebody that you know finds out that uh, you live your life a certain way, anybody ever had somebody pick or make fun or, or mock? They're more likely to mock holiness standards than they are the fact that you received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because Satan comes to the wall. He tries to pick at the wall. He don't go for the glory yet. That's his ultimate end game. But he has to. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He has to come to the wall. And if he can get you to let the wall down, then he's got access to all of the valuable things that are behind the wall. That's why when somebody begins to struggle, they haven't, their prayer life is not where it needs to be. Their church attendance is not where it needs to be. There are things in their life that are getting in their way with their relationship with God that they've allowed to get in the way. They'll start having doubts about, what's all these standards? You know what that is? That's Satan coming to the wall. He can't make you backslide. He can make you question. He can throw questions in your mind. Well, what about this? Is that really going to send you to hell? Because he comes to the wall, and he checks the wall. He tests the wall. How strong is the wall? And the Bible makes the statement, uh, 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 a man that can't rule his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. And what the imagery there is, the value of the walls that keep certain things out, that when the walls are broken down, the enemy can come in. Holiness is a protection and a deterrent against the, the enemy of our soul that wants the glory. He wants the value. He wants the temple. He wants what is behind the wall. And God gave us the ability what God gave to us when he instructs us in holy living. He filled us with his spirit in Acts chapter 2. And then as soon as, as, soon as uh, uh, Peter is done preaching about that, with many other words, with many other words, did he exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. He exhorted them and instructed them, Okay, if you're going to retain what you have received, you're going to have to separate yourself. And a lot of folks just don't want to be separated from the world, don't want to be called out, don't want to be different, don't want to be ostracized, don't want to be made fun of, don't want to be looked at different. I tell you what, I love Jesus more than I love the opinion of anybody else. And when we love his opinion and not their opinion or whoever's opinion, I'm, I'm here to please him. I'm not here to please anybody else. I want to find what is pleasing to him in his word, and I want to please him. Let's stand to our feet right now. Praise God. Brother Austin, it's not necessary, but thank you. Praise God.